The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 139. We have a special guest joining us tonight. He's been on the podcast before, as I just heard from recent notes. It's almost a year ago now, which is crazy. It's been that long. But you can find his work over on Razzball and the Ditka Sausage and Fantasy Sports Podcast. He's on Twitter at DonkeyTeeth87. My friend Donkey Teeth, how you doing? Hey, Bubba. How you been? Um, yeah, I, you know what? I'm repping my, my Ditka shirt. Rotoware just made this Ditka sausage pod shirt and Outstanding. Uh, yeah, his mustache is a sausage so i thought i'd show that off on the show um uh, but yeah doing pretty well uh we're, we're getting into the position profiles over there on our podcast at Razball as well so we just got done with catchers you're apologizing for having me on for second base but uh yeah this is a, lot, a big upgrade from the catcher podcast yeah, yeah, I did catchers a couple of weeks ago, and that was that was rough. Luckily, there was a lot of signings that took place we could talk about in trades that kind of took the, the time on the the podcast. But uh, yeah, since we last talked, you moved over to Razzball, and I really like Rudy and Gray and those guys over there. A lot of a lot of good dudes over there at Razzball. So how's how's uh, the whole Razzball thing going for you? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very laid back and uh, awesome tools that they have over there. If you haven't checked out their tools, I think they got like a free. Uh, free week trial or something with the tools. Rady, uh, Rudy does those and they work. I mean, Gray uses them. He's won tout two years. I mean, they both won tout two years in a row now. Um, so they're funny and they win. So I, I like that combination. Yeah, they're really good. I, I, I talk with Rudy a lot on the uh, the website that I have now. For those that, that listen, we changed from D-Sports Degens to Fantasy Sports Degens now. Long story of why, but that, that went up today on Friday. But uh, all the player links, when you click on a player in an article, it goes straight to the Razzball player profiles. So we have that uh, little thing going on there, which is always nice. And you, know, you click on my links, you go to Razzball, then you go check out Donkey Teeth stuff. And it's, it's a big yin and a yang here, big circle of love. Yeah, nice little partnership you got going. Yeah, so let's get into the fantasy baseball aspects of stuff before we get into the second base preview. Let's talk about some moves that have taken place since the last time I recorded. One being Sonny Gray, they finally made the uh, the contract extension since we last recorded. Sonny Gray to the uh, Cincinnati Reds from the New York Yankees. Very interesting deal here. He got extended. We don't need to worry about that as much. But when it comes to fantasy this year, how do you look at Sonny Gray going to Great American Small Park? Uh, I think pretty lateral move. He gets to face a pitcher at least now. Um, really nowhere to go up. Uh, at this point for Sonny Gray, he was awful last year. I think the Reds got a, a decent deal. I mean, his contract is terrible, but uh, there's still some hope for him, I think. And he, he's got a team-friendly contract. So 
not not an exciting deal, I guess. You know, the piece that I was interested in that deal is uh, Shed Long, the second base prospect going over to the Yankees. The Yankees then quickly sent him to the Mariners, and uh, I've got my eye on him in uh, in deeper redraft leagues. I think he can he can make an impact for the Mariners this year. I'm glad you mentioned that because I try to stay pay attention to the prospects the best I can, but it seemed it was Shed Long was just kind of getting dangled out there, and I know he was number seven prospect for the Cincinnati Reds and goes to technically went to the Yankees and the Yankees flipped into Seattle. Seattle has just been accruing prospects. Their rebuild kind of retools working well. You might know more about Shed than I do, obviously. What kind of stuff, if they had dynasty format, can you expect from a Shed Long? You know, honestly, I don't. I don't know a whole lot about Shedlong myself. I, I think he he can bring some some average and and power to the table, but I, I haven't watched a whole lot of Shedlong. Gotcha. All right, let's go to the Anaheim Angels. They've been looking for a closer for a few years, technically, if you really think about it, because they've been just shuffling them around everywhere. Um, and they went and signed Cody Allen, former Cleveland Indian closer, had a rough year last year after his pure dominance for years prior to that. What's your thoughts on Cody Allen going to the Angels? And um, where does he kind of – you don't have to give me the exact ranking fantasy-wise when it comes to closers, but how does he kind of stand for you in the closer situation? Yeah, I think he's going to be just outside of that. Uh, you know, there's that group that you're pretty confident in. They've got a job, and it dries up pretty quick. You know, there might be 12 to 15 of them right now. I think he's just outside of that. Um I guess you could put him just in, inside of that. I mean, he had a down year last year, but he, he was dominant uh, the two prior years. Um, you got to imagine the Angels give him a pretty decent leash, right? Yeah, and I, I'd be really surprised if he loses the job. It's just a matter of what kind of peripheral stats is he going to give you. Um, you. You expect the Angels to be somewhat competitive this year. Uh, maybe not great, but the offense is still going to be okay. Starting pitching, question mark, but not horrible. Um, it's got to be a little bit of an upgrade coming from Cleveland, I think, because now in your division you get the Rangers who are bad. You get to go pitch in Oakland, um, stuff of that nature. The Anaheim Stadium is a nice pitching ballpark as well. So I, I'm not expecting the the guy that just lit the world on fire like in recent years, but I'm not expecting probably as bad as last year, kind of a, an in-between, which isn't bad at all. Yeah. All right. This is one that I really, really like. For a team like the Rangers, it's just kind of um, – I guess I don't even know if rebuilding is the right word. They just have so much going on over there and so little winning potential. They go and sign as Drew Cabrera. The guy just completely gets overlooked year after year after year. He's going so late in drafts right now. And uh, they got him for a, a, a team-friendly deal. He plays all over the diamond. And I was, I was on a podcast last night, and he's he basically has hit like 14 or more home runs in like the last six or seven years straight. He just scores scores 60 runs plus, drives in 60 runs plus, Hits like 270-plus. The model of consistency, what's your thoughts on this dribble going to hitter-friendly Texas? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great spot. I mean, Texas is very unlikely they're going to be in any sort of uh, playoff contention this year, so I, I think he's pretty safe for, for playing time. And he's got all kinds of eligibilities for fantasy purposes. I, we may have hit on him briefly here as we talk about second baseman, but you can slot him in at third or short. And, uh, yeah, he's going late. He's going around pick 300 in these NFBC drafts. So I think that there's something there. It'll probably start to rise now that we know he's got a job. And um, and it's it's definitely not the worst landing spot. So And I agree he should rise most likely. Say he gets up to, like, pick 250. Is he still on your radar at that point, or do you need him to be down a little farther? Yeah, I think he's still on the radar. I mean – if we're talking a draft and hold type format, that's that's pretty valuable that you can slot him in at, at all three of those positions. Um, you know, as we get into the second base rankings here, I'll just come out and tell you uh, my strategy. If we're talking like a 12 team league or shallower, I'm probably not going to be drafting an Astrobol Cabrera. Um, I'm looking for upside. And it's just because the player pool gets so deep in a, in a 12 team league, unless you've just got ridiculously deep benches. Um, you can find stuff on the waiver wire, and and I don't know, Astrobal Cabrera just it doesn't excite me. But if you're getting into 15 team and deeper, you know, 20 team league, then there's some real value with a guy like Cabrera. Yeah, I was gonna say a league like the TGFBI, as dribble comes in real nicely in that mm-hmm. league. So I'll I'll be uh, circling him, and then in DFS, he's always a darling of mine because he's always so damn cheap. But uh, I love it. 
Uh, a move that's not super flashy fantasy-wise, it's, it's probably hard to expect him to be that hitting machine, first-time All-Star type season. But Nick Markakis goes back to the Atlanta Braves, club-friendly deal. Any uh, fantasy impact for you this year with Nick? Or are you just going to say, hey, you had one good year, good luck this one? You know, I think that's about as as good of a uh, outcome as we could have hoped for his free agency fantasy-wise. I'm sure he would have liked uh, something a little bit more, but that's the days uh, for you with free agency. So he gets that, that one-year deal from the Braves. And, uh, you know, he did it last year in Atlanta. It's a really nice hitter's park, especially for lefties. Um, I, why can't he do it again? You know, he gets a real bump in, in on-base percent leagues. Again, not a guy that I, I'm excited to draft in a 12-team league or something like that. But you start talking about 15 teams and deeper. Yeah, I think Markakis is your your last outfielder. There's something there. He, he's um, he's just a guy people don't believe in. And I don't necessarily believe in him either. But if when you can get him, I, I don't know where he's going right now. But I imagine it's after pick 300. It's probably after Ezra Cabrera. Um so at that going, point, yeah, going, I mean, I'll take a shot at anybody. He's going at 346 right now. Yeah, that, that sounds right. So, you know, outfields, there's a lot of outfielders, but if you're playing in a non-base percent league, he definitely piques my interest. That's yeah, a good call on the OVP part. That's uh, that's where more and more people are starting to go now as well. So we got to start paying attention to that more and more. So that's not a bad mention there with Marquez. He's still going to be a very potent lineup. Uh, I'll have to see where they slot him in the lineup. If he somehow sneaks towards the top, which I doubt he does, if he does, though, that'd be a really, really impressive and helpful. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. He'll, he, yeah, he, you never know. You never know, right? You never know. But with with some of those young studs there, it'd be tough to see him sneaking into the top of that. And they got Donaldson too. Yeah, Josh Donaldson is back. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the hated Los Angeles Dodgers, they went and signed AJ Pollock. Pretty good deal when it comes to them. They, they have through 2022 now, fifty five million dollars. Um, Pollock's always been the guy, the but what if guy. What's your thoughts on AJ Pollock going to the Dodgers? Yeah, I think Pollock. I think that's a great landing spot for him. And and um, man, he was awesome the first month last year. Maybe even six weeks, he was putting up like first round value. I owned him in TGFBI actually, and uh, I was pretty happy with. I think I got him in the third or fourth round, something like that. Uh, I was pretty pretty happy with myself, and then of course he does the AJ Pollock and gets hurt. That's pretty much always the concern with him is injury. We can't rely on him to to be healthy for a full season. But I think while he plays, uh, he's going to put up the numbers, and he's kind of a guy where you got to look at your format and and see if you can can handle having a guy that you know is going to miss probably twenty five percent to to thirty five percent of the season out of the gates. Because if you can. Uh, you're getting good value on him in the draft. I mean, he's going from what I've seen anywhere between 100 and and 150 in drafts, and and he's a guy that at any given time could could put up uh, you know top 20 value. So yeah, he, he's got my interest, and in, and in, that's a great lineup to be a part of. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of AJ Pollock. I usually end up getting sucked into AJ Pollock every year, and then the in- injury happens, like you're saying. It's just like, God, what what could have been. Because the talent's there, he's got pretty decent speed. The power, like you said, that great lineup he's going to be in. Uh, there's a lot to like there with AJ Pollock. I hate the fact he's going on the rival Dodgers, but it is what it is. Last signing we'll talk about just took place earlier today, and they might still be finalizing it. But the Oakland A's are bringing in Marco Estrada, kind of a sneaky deal here. I, I don't hate it for the fact that Estrada, the extreme flyball pitcher, comes to a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Uh, what's your thoughts on Marco Estrada? Is he still kind of you know, don't touch him, or are you going to hope that, you know, a lot of the pitcher whispers swear this guy's going to be really good someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been <laughs> they've been saying that for, what, 10 years. I mean, he has his he has his stretches, and, um, you know, Oakland, they make some um, savvy signings. It's a good pitcher's park. So I'll say the same thing that I've said about the, the first couple guys that we talked about. Like, he's not the kind that's going to interest me in a 12-team league. Even a 15-team league, he's a streamer for me. But uh, you start getting deeper than that. You, you start talking about draft and hold type leagues where you need pitching depth. Yeah, I mean, he's probably a matchups play for me. I, he's not somebody that, I, that I'm going to be excited about for fantasy. Uh, but there's going to be stretches where, you know, he goes on a month run probably and and uh, you're happy you got him. 
Yeah, definitely. He's going like pick seven forty right now. So aka <laughs> aka not getting drafted very often. Yeah. Um, so but he is a good guy. Like you said, he's a streamable guy, you know. He's a two start pitcher and both starts are in Oakland and say he gets the Rangers or um the Mariners or something and, and the Royals come to town or whatever. That's a solid, solid matchup there. Um you gotta kinda think some of his numbers might have been inflated to pitching in Toronto, which is a very hitter from the ballpark. He's facing the uh, Red Sox, the Yankees, all these teams just bombing away on him year after year. So it might be really interesting to see how he transitions. Like maybe instead of the 5-5 five, five ERA you saw last year, maybe you get 4-5. And still that's not ideal, but if you can stream them to get those good starts, uh, there is something there. And like you said, you know, the A's find a way to, you know, Mike Fires came in last year and all of a sudden looked like a Cy Young candidate at times. So they, they find ways to tweak guys and make it work. I just I'm not saying draft him like you like you were saying don't draft him, but I definitely keep him on the radar. I think he's someone that it wouldn't shock me by season's end if he's like a top one fifty fantasy starter, which isn't ideal, but that's a guy that's usable on a roster by season's end. So Yeah, and he you know, change of scenery. He could be one of those guys that just needed a change of scenery. I mean, I, I don't know how many years he's been up there in, in Toronto, but it seems like it's been forever. Huh? Yeah, I got it right here. He's well, he started in the Brewers, and then he went to Toronto in 2015. But it's only uh, three years. Yeah, three, three years up there. But, like, all the projection sites, they have him about a little over five ERA, which is better than what he's been doing there in Toronto. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think the projections will change because these are kind of dictating him in Toronto, not so much in uh, Oakland. All right, let's get into this second base preview. It's uh, an interesting position. It's, you know, we mentioned how bad catchers can be. First base is kind of wonky compared to years past. We've got the second base position. It's got some talent that depends on what you're looking for at the position. And we'll kick it off with uh, we're going to go with top 10 according to NFBC, not what our rankings might be. But Javi Baez coming off that monster season last year, and then you have all the messed up swing skills that everyone wants to keep pointing at left and right. What's your take on Javi Baez this year? Are you buying into Javi Baez? Are you staying away from Javi Baez? Is he the next Vlad senior that just swings at everything and it works? Uh, yeah, I'm buying into Baez. I mean, I believe it until he doesn't do it, you know. Uh, he keeps hitting for average. Nobody thinks he can do it, though, with the, uh, the way he chases those those pitches outside and, and the, you know, the high K rate, what he strike out, 20, 26% or something last year. He had 34 home runs, 21 steals. Um He's shown that he doesn't really need to walk to to do it. He's got an incredible swing, and oh, by the way, he's eligible at uh, pretty much everywhere in the infield, second, third, short. So another guy in these draft and hold type leagues that gets a huge boost, and I think he's a slam dunk first rounder in those type of formats. And even in your uh, you know your standard redraft format, I, I think he's a top fifteen player for me. So he's easily the number one second baseman. I've got him in his own tier ahead of uh, Jose Altuve myself. You like Baez that much? Interesting. I don't. I don't hate it at all. I think it's one of those players that you're either in on or you're not type guys, based on what you want to see. I love the the spirit he brings to the field. I love the talent. I just think I think he's still gonna be very very good. I just don't know if he's into the first round good for me, but. Um, Maybe you'll win the championship this year, and I won't because of things well, like that. You know what? I'm probably not going to draft him um, unless I'm at the back end and he falls to the back end of a 15 teamer. There's yeah, guys right. that you know. I'm a Cardinals fan, so I'm, I Ooh, have a natural that's bias. That's like religious. Yeah, I have a natural bias against bias, but even I've got to come around after he's done this for three straight years. You know, it's like maybe he's not going to be 34, 21, 290. But uh, the floor seems pretty darn high for him at this point. I mean, if he does anything less than, you know, 20, 27 home runs, 15 steals, and a 270 average, I'd be pretty stunned at this point, wouldn't you? Yeah, no, I agree. The numbers are definitely going to be there. I think my biggest thing is I, I think he'll do very well. Somehow he slips. I'd be able to ever get him because people are going to pay the price. And that's where it gets tricky because – you know, if he goes and does what he did last year, he's worth every bit of that draft spot. I just think there's a little bit of a regression, and that to me drops him back compared to other guys I'd rather take up in that position. That's kind of yeah. I'm I think about. I'm on the same page because uh, my general draft strategy this year is to come out of the early rounds with uh, a solid average and speed, 
And while he had 21 steals and a 290 average last year, I agree there's probably going to be some regression, at least in the average department. Maybe not a whole lot, you know. Um, I don't have his last three years numbers here, but uh, hasn't he, he hit two, like two seventy or better? Two seventy yeah. or better, yeah. Um, and and that's the thing is, if he's still two seventy, it's great. But that that shift in the average means fewer times on base because he's not walking. So um, there, your stolen bases get get kind of deterred. And that's that's where I'm at now because I think the talent is there and it could be really interesting. But I think he's more like a late second, early third guy, not a late first, early second guy. Yeah, there's a big difference between 270 and 290, but yeah. he's also still young, and we can't count out that he actually gets better. And I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there saying that, but th- there's a chance true. he keeps getting better, you know, and hits 40 home runs and gets up to 300 average. No, it's one of the great debates that's going to keep going on this year. You know, there's the Adelbert, the Mondesis, and all these other guys. Javi Baez is one of those that there's a lot of, you know, is this just is he just the exception to the rule? Like he's not the guy that – the regression comes into play or is he really just that good? And it's going to be awesome. It's, it's really going to be interesting to see how he develops. But like you said, he's young. He keeps getting better each year. What's to say he can't be as good or better. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's just hard for me to get there. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. The number two guy going, going in NFBC drafts right now, he's going at pick 16 or 17, Jose Altuve. You know, last year he was going second or third in every draft. Um, now he's going 17th, had that big knee issue, had the surgery, supposed to be good to go for opening day. How do you look at Ozzy Altuve this year? Do you think, you know, the speed comes back? Are you worried about that at all? Or are you expecting Altuve to get back to that near MVP type form? Yeah, I just don't know, to be honest. I, I don't think the speed's ever quite going to be what it was, but um, may bounce a little bit. He's, he's, I like him. Um, if he falls to me, like, he's probably a guy I'm not going to own, to be honest. If he falls to me like at the end of the second, early third round in a 15-team league, seems really unlikely. I mean, I've seen him go in end of the first round in some drafts pretty solidly in the second. So I think he's just going to be a guy I'm out on because I like other guys more, and I'm just not sure what to expect. You know, 13 home runs and 17 steals that he had last year, yeah, he still hit for average, but um, that's not life-changing. Not when you're taking him early first round. Now you're taking him early second round, and it's still not going to do it for you. Most projection sites have them around 17 to 19 homers, have them around 17 to 20 stolen bases. That's all fine and dandy, and the average is great and all, but there's a lot more you can probably get at that point in the draft. So it is very tough to own Jose Altuve this year. If he bounces back, that's tremendous value. It's going to be hard to get there, though. That's for darn sure. Yeah, I'm okay missing out on it. Yeah. Let's go to Whit Merrifield. This one's interesting to me. He's going around pick 30, 31. Everyone's talking about his, his uh, teammate out of Arthur But, you know, Whit Merrifield, there's nothing sexy about him, except he has continues to be Mr. Consistency over and over again. So late for, uh, late second, early third, and a 15-teamer. How do you look at Whit Merrifield? Because I've never wanted to buy into him, and now I'm starting to look a little harder at him. Yeah, I mean, I just said I want to leave the, the, the early rounds with steals and average, and that's exactly what Whit brings. Um I've got him in the same tier as Altuve. Yeah. Again, I don't see myself drafting him a lot. Uh, he's just not shiny enough for me. I want, I want, I want Mondesi, and typically Mondesi and Merrifield, you're going to get one or the other. And I'm buying into Mondesi as being a special talent. He's only 23 years old. I think he's got more power potential than Wit. I think he's got more speed potential. Obviously, he's he's not going to hit for the same average that Wit does, but. But uh, so I may be contradicting myself on wanting to leave with the, the average and steals, but I think the the steals upside from from Mondesi is is just so exciting for me. I, I can't pass up on that. So that's why I don't end up drafting Wit. I'm totally cool with with uh, taking him though. He is a little bit safer than Mondesi, and and again, you get that average and steals, and he's done it two years now. There's no reason to believe that he's just going to fall off the face of the earth. Yeah, and I agree with what you said there about Witt because it's like if you like Altuve, you should like Whit Merrifield. Like you said, they're in the same tier there. I, I think I, I trust Whit more this year. Altuve might have the higher ceiling, but you know what you're getting with Witt. He's not hurt. He's not coming off an injury. Um, I definitely like waiting, you know, 15 picks from Altuve to go get Witt, but uh, it's still very interesting. So at that point in the draft, everybody you're reading right now, and if you've, if you've done any research on your own, you realize the kind of pitching, the way it's going – that second to third round turn, if you want to get one of the big boys, 
you can't take Witt. You have to take one of the pitchers right there. Otherwise, you're not going to see one of them. So it's kind of going to be it's going to be interesting come draft day to see how it all shakes out. Uh, Witt might drop a little farther back, or you might. He's gone as high as 15th and as low as 47th. So he's all over the place. How weird is it to say that that Whit Merrifield is a safer play than Jose Altuve now? <laughs> Times have changed. It's scary. I honestly, I it's one of those. I think it was Colin Weatherwax I had on my show a while back. He played in NFBC last year and he actually won his league. Um, he was saying basically the best way. I mean, that's kind of my mindset when I look at these now. If you want to win the overall, not just your league, you gamble on an Altuve. If you want to win just your league, you take the consistency of Whit Merrifield. That's kind of how you separate the two that are closely ranked together because, you know, the ceiling of Altuve should be a lot more than Merrifield, but is he going to be there? It's really weird to say that they're that close, but you're right. Yeah, or instead you take the Mondesi who could go, you know, 2060. Yes, Mondesi is a monster. To me, I'm having trouble buying into his power. I agree he's so young it might keep coming because he didn't have it forever in the minors in the last two years. You've seen it slowly develop, so I see where you're coming with that. But that speed is legit. It's freakishly legit. His biggest concern to me is, like we said with Billy Hamilton forever, you can't steal a first base. So uh, we got to see him consistently get on base, which he did in a short period at the end of last year. All right, let's talk about the next two guys. We'll group them together here. Ozzy Albies, Labor Torres. Ozzy, they both actually had really hot starts to their seasons, and they really cooled down towards the end. Labor might have more power potential. Ozzy, more speed um, when it comes to the NFBC right now. Ozzy's going about 52, Glaber's going about 56. How do you look at those two when you're entering the draft? Because if you if you pass the top three, now you're you know you're 50 picks into the draft now. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. Um, I kind of flip flop on it. I, I think when I was drafting like early winter back in December, I was leaning towards uh, towards Glaber. But the more I've thought about it. I think I'm back on Ozzy just because of the the speed. I I think he can get 20 steals still. They're both so young. Um, sky's the limit for each of these guys. Glaber gets. Uh, I mean, they both get stacked lineups. I think they both get really good ballparks. Um, there's some growing pains for for Ozzy last year. He was looking like a top 10 guy for the first couple months of the season, and. Um, he, he's going to have to make some adjustments and and grow as a hitter, but he's so young. I I think he's going to going to be able to do it. So I'm taking Ozzy, but I uh, I don't have a strong strong feeling either way. I, I like both of these guys, and I think they're both in for for really nice seasons. Yeah, both two young, really good ball players. I take Ozzy over Glaber as well because Ozzy, I just, I like him more towards the top of that order. You got Torres. He's going to be bad anywhere from like seventh to ninth most of the time. That's how stacked that lineup is. And, you know, eventually just that many at-bats just kind of de- deteriorates your overall success. But uh, the power is legit, and he can go on some tears, and maybe, you know, throughout the season things change, and he goes towards the top of the order or middle of the order, and, and then you look like I look like an idiot. But the Ozzy Albies, I think there's a lot to like there with him, especially that speed upside. I think he's got maybe 20 homer upside to go with those steals. And in that lineup, it's going to be freakishly nice. you got Acuna probably bad in front of them or right behind them. Uh, you got Freddie Freeman. you got Donaldson now. Uh, Marquecas is back. There's a lot to like there when it comes to Ozzy Albies. So I'd go Albies over Torres. I have a feeling I won't have either one of these guys because the next group we talk about is 40 picks later. I like this kind of grouping a lot more if I'm going to wait a second base. But if you choose to go up here, I don't hate it. I just think I'll be waiting. Yeah, I'm Let's talk total about- agreement. I've got a pretty big tier here from – from Albies and, and Torres all the way down to the end of the top 10, actually. Yeah, it drops pretty quick, and we'll go right into him. Scooter Jeanette, um, this guy just he just doesn't get the respect I think he deserves. The consistency. It's a, it must be a Reds thing. You know, Suarez doesn't get the respect. Scooter Jeanette doesn't get the like, It's just a thing that happens in Cincinnati, but that's good for fantasy owners to pay attention. Um, the kid just rakes, just absolutely rakes. Um, he's going 92nd overall. He's coming off a 310, 23 home run season. The power is legit, back-to-back 23, 27 home runs. He's hit 295 and 310. You know, even if he hits 270, it's pretty good. How do you look at a guy like Scooter Jeanette? If you missed out on the top, do you have any problem taking Jeanette at, like, 92? No, not at all. I, I'm a big fan, a fan of uh, of Scooter. And, yeah, he's he's getting totally disrespected. I mean, his numbers are right there in top 50 conversation. I don't see why he's he's being drafted so much later than Albies and Torres, like you said. Um those guys aren't going to bring you the same average that that uh, Scooter has for two years in a row now. Um, 
he's not going to give you the steals, but there's there's no guarantee that that Glaber is going to give you the steals either. So uh, I've got him right in the same conversation. I actually have him penciled in. My second base rankings aren't finalized here, but I had Scooter up at number four. I had Scooter four, Albies five, and uh, and Glaber six. Now it depends, like if you really need speed at that stage in the draft. But like you said, you don't you don't have to to draft Scooter that high. So yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting, and I'll, I'll grab him or uh, the next guy in my rankings at number seven, Jonathan VR. I'm, I'm pretty excited about as well. Yeah, I have Scooter number four in my rankings as well. Ozzy five. Nice. I have uh, I have Glaber down at eight. I have Johnny. At nine, I think I'm going to move him up as well. I'm going to keep moving Torres down. I'm just uh, for something about him, I'm just not sold on. But you mentioned Johnny VR. He's going right after Scooter tonight in the NFPCs at pick 94. So literally two picks after Scooter. So it seems like people were looking for second basemen. They missed one. They get the other. You know, a couple of years ago, VR was this monster power speed guy. It fell apart. He lost playing time and whatnot. Gets traded to Baltimore. Gets the playing time. And starts running like crazy. Are you buying into what we saw in Baltimore being a full season's worth? Like we're getting that that VR we got, you know, two three seasons ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's gonna get back to where he was. That was pretty ridiculous. He was putting up like second round value when he was in Milwaukee that breakout season. I'm not gonna bank on that, but yeah, I think uh, the speed is obviously real, and there's not a whole lot of concerns in Baltimore with his playing time if he struggles at the plate. They're just going to stick with him, and he can strike out as much as he wants there. Uh, I, I've got no problem projecting him for, you know, 10 to 15 home runs and 40 steals. And 40 steals around pick 100 is uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, no, that, that, that's outstanding. That's like that's why when, you, when you're sitting there trying to debate, is Whit worth it? Is Altuve worth it? Stuff like that. And you can go get 40 steals at a pick 100. That's that's pretty darn good. So you got to take take a look at that for sure. Um, let's look at the next one here. It's a weird one because people think third base. I think it's Travis Shaw, but he played a ton of second base last year. He's going about pick one hundred and one. Bring some pop to the lineup, but everything else is kind of questionable. What's your thoughts on uh, Travis Shaw? Yeah, I've got him at number eight in in my rankings, right behind VR. Um, I, I could see taking Shaw over over VR and. Uh, I mean, if you need power, the guy's going to hit 30 home runs and he'll kick in a few steals too. He's probably going to steal five bases. I think that uh, that average is going to get back up there around 260. He's in a really good lineup in in Milwaukee. And I get excited about anybody hitting in Miller Park. I, I just love I love that park for hitters. So, uh, yeah, I'm on board, Travis Shaw. I really like this group of second basemen um, probably all the way up until like number 13. Uh, I think it's a really solid group, and I want one of those guys. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like there for sure. So Shaw's very interesting. Uh, number nine, you know, if you missed out on speed with VR and others, you have uh, D. Gordon in Seattle, still there. He's got the outfit eligibility. Going about pick one thirteen. How do you look at D. Gordon? Because you know everyone's wanting to be more than he is, but he's still very good. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, he hit 268 last year. Not exactly what you've come to expect out of D. I don't know if that's because of the, you know, the whole performance enhancing drugs is why he was able to hit three, three, whatever he hit for a couple seasons in a row. But I do think he's better than a 268 hitter. I think that that average bounces a little bit this year. And uh, it's nice with the dual eligibility and especially in the draft and hold type leagues. But in any league, it's nice to be able to have a guy that you can you can be flexible with and move him around from second to outfield, especially daily leagues. Um, I think he steals more than 30 bases too. So yeah, I'm on board if you missed out on VR. I don't think there's a huge gap between them, but I've definitely got VR uh, a little bit ahead. He, he, you also get some power from VR. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference. You're going to get that power search from VR. You know, he's playing in Baltimore, nice hitter-friendly ballpark. So that's kind of the difference there for me as well. I like that quite a bit. Um, one that's somehow still going 10th overall at second base, um, pick 115 overall. We've seen that number just skyrocket, which was kind of expected after he went and signed with Colorado. I still think he should be higher than this. I have uh, Daniel Murphy. When I look at my rankings, I have him. He's moved up to like sixth or seventh for me. I think Daniel Murphy in Colorado is scary good. What's your thoughts on Daniel Murphy? Yeah, I've got no problem with that. I've got him at nine myself between Shaw and D. Gordon. 
um, mainly because of injury. You know, he's getting up there in age, and I don't know if we can trust him. But if he is healthy, yeah, he could put up some eye-popping numbers in Colorado. Uh, I mean, you can you can mark him down in ink for for three hundred three ten average probably, and and there's there's he could hit three sixty for all we know in Colorado. So. Yeah, there's plenty to be excited about. There's plenty of upside, and uh, he's the kind of guy that um, I'm totally willing to gamble on. Uh, he was going really late before he signed in Colorado, and I did I did three NFBC drafts early, and I didn't end up getting any shares, and I was kicking myself. We were I mean, my, my partner, The Itch, and I were uh, debating him a couple times, and we ended up passing, and now the, the stock is just skyrocketing. I think he was going like 150, 160 or something like that, and we just couldn't pull it. It may have been even later than that. The latest he he has gone is two thirty one. Yeah, that's re, that's insane. That, whoever did that got some of the best draft value you can find out there right now. Yeah, and I mean it, it wasn't um, unthinkable that he he didn't get a starting job, you know. So he went from potentially being like a bench bat and, to the best possible scenario <laughs> overnight. Yeah, no, it was it was the yeah, best possible scenario. It might be an understatement. I absolutely love him there. Um, probably play him at first base too, so he gets that eligibility plus less likely to get hurt playing second. There's a lot to like there, Daniel Murphy. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I bumped him up pretty good. All right, there's the top ten. You've already mentioned you have more that you like here. There's a lot to like here, so we'll kind of just go back and forth here from eleven through twenty. You can give give one that you like. I'll give one I like, and we we can give you know we'll give three each here before we drop down to sleeper. So who's one of the guys? after the top 10 that you got your eye on. So, you know what? I'm going to throw two at you because I originally had Mankata jotted down. He's going off the board at 157. I ended up uh, slotting him in at, I think, number 13 in my rankings. And then I start looking at Odor closer, and he's going at 127, so only 30 picks higher. Um, I think I like Odor more. I feel like... What Odor is right now is what we're hoping Mankata becomes. Maybe there's a little bit more power upside with Mankata, but I'll start with Mankata. You know, he's the easy choice for. I'm looking for upside. You know, if we're talking 12 team leagues, uh, this is about the end of the road. These next next couple of guys, as far as upside, if you want to go with one of the boring guys and just get your stats out of your second base or middle infield slot, that's fine too. But but my approach in in a shallower league like that is just go all out for upside. So Mankata is is the easy choice with his his elite uh, prospect pedigree. He's got that mix of power and speed. He absolutely crushes the ball. Last year he had a forty four point one percent hard hit rate and ninety point six mile per hour average exit velocity. And uh, you know he, the big thing on him is he he chases too much. He's got a thirty three point four percent K rate last year. That's just insanely high. Even our guy Odor never struck out that much. I think. Odor may have topped out at like 26 or 27 percent K rate, so that's that's the big uh, big wart on Mankata. If he can cut down on those Ks and maybe lower that launch angle of his a little bit, he had a 15 degree launch angle last year. I think we could see big coming out party for him in, in 2019. Nobody's really got higher upside than Mankata in in all of second base land, so he's the ideal 12 team play for me. Then Odor, I know I'm, I'm stealing. Uh, two of them here, but I feel like they go together. Like I said, I think Odor is is basically already what Mankata could become. Uh, he's already hit. People forget. I mean, he hit uh, 18 home runs last year. He's already had back to back 30 home run seasons, and he's only 24 years old. He's only got one more year on Mankata, so they both can continue to get better. Big strides for Odor last year. He improved his walk rate from about five percent to eight percent. And uh, he actually did just what I was talking about with Mankata. He lowered that launch angle from 15 degrees to, to just under 12 degrees. And, um, yeah, I, I'm looking for Odor to get back in that, that 30 home run range, you know, maybe high 20s. And he's kicked in double-digit steals each of the last three years. He had 12 last year, but I think he had 14 and 15 the two years before that. And, um, you know, he hit 270 two years ago. I don't think he's a 270 hitter. But uh, I I don't see Mankata ever hitting 270 unless he may make some big changes at the plate to his approach. So odds are both these guys end up being around 250 hitters. But uh, Odor 
feels a lot safer. And I'm not one to normally talk about safety in fantasy baseball, but when you're talking about two young upside plays already, uh, I think I'm going with the one that, that just feels a little bit safer. So I've got Odor at 11 and Mankata at 13. Those are two of my guys. I like that a lot. Odor is in my top 10, and I got Moncada at 12. Um, I'm a big fan of both of them. I like what you said about Moncada being kind of the maybe riskier, but big upside type play. We saw him go on a tear last year for like a two- to three-week tear where he's just crushing everything. And, and you know, his hitting ability, we saw it on, on, on display there. There's a lot to like there. With Odor, like you mentioned, the walk rate got better. The average is high. He missed like 30 games last year compared to the previous two years where he hit 30 homers. He played in 150 and 160 games compared to last year, 129. And I think there's a lot to like there with Odor, that ballpark, everything. So I'm a big uh, Rugen fan uh, when it comes to fantasy baseball. And I don't hate Moncada at all, so I like both of those. Uh, one I'll mention here is Robinson Cano, going about pick 127 right after Rugen Odor. If you want a little more consistency, but still get 20-plus home run upside and a pretty solid average run producer in the middle of the New Mets lineup that is going to be pretty potent compared to years past, I got no problem putting Robinson Cano out there. Um, people like to, to kind of go past them for the flashier young names, which teach their own. But Cano is going to give you what you expect year in and year out. You're going to get the solid power, solid run production, solid batting average. Um, I know he's getting older, but the the hit tools haven't deteriorated at all. He is going to be 36 this year, so keep that in mind. But I think there's still a little bit left to go in, in Robbie Cano's bat. You know, you know, three or four of those years might have been PED induced, so he's still like you know, 29 in reality. So uh, I like Robinson Cano as one of my after top 10 guys. Yeah. And I had Cano at 12 and he's basically the last guy that I'm interested in for, for shallower leagues at second. I mean, there's other names here that uh, I'm fine taking a shot on late in the, in the 12 team or something like that. But I, ideally I'd like to get one of these top 13 of mine. You, you pretty much know what you're getting with Cano. You're going to get you're going to get a solid average and, and some power and, and no speed. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on him. Uh, last one I'll, I'll ask you about because the rest of these names kind of blend together. What's your thoughts on Brian Dozier going to Washington? Do we get a Dozier bounce back or is the regression something that should be quite concerning? Uh, honestly, I don't know what to expect from Dozier, but – He's a guy that that I'm fine taking a shot on if you miss out on that that earlier group or, or throw him in there at middle infield because we know what he can do. You know, we know he can hit 40 home runs and and steal 15 to 20 bases. On top of that, he's not going to give you average, but I really don't think he's a 215 hitter. You know, um, he had some pretty pretty putrid batted ball luck last year, so I think we see him bounce back in the average department and and. Uh, you know, he'll probably get up there in the high 20s in, in home runs. 12 steals seems about right for him. I, I don't know how much he's going to end up running in, in Washington. But, um, yeah, I've got him at 15. I have Cesar Hernandez at 14 just ahead of him. I've So from four, from, from Jeanette to D Gordon was my tier below those elites. Again, I had Baez in his own tier. And then Altuve with Witt in the second tier. The rest of the top 10 in a third tier. Then I got Odor, Cano, and Mankata in a fourth tier. And then the the next tier, I'm okay with these guys. You got Cesar Hernandez and, and Dozier. I'm fine with them. Not excited. But, um, yeah, what do you think? You think that, that Dozier's going to have a big bounce back? I think it's going to be a bounce back because it's hard to be as bad as he was last year. <laughs> right. um, that, that, that's one thing I'll say for sure. I do like the move to Washington. It's a little more hitter-friendly than people give it credit for. Um, he's going to be healthy this year. I think he was pretty beat up last year. And then offense is still really good there. Even though Harper's gone, there's still a really, really good lineup that he's going to be a part of. So, you know, I think he's got 20-plus 20 power, 20 plus homer upside, 10-plus stolen bases. You know, give me a 240, 250 average. I think there's a lot to like there with him because that's kind of like the floor, the power numbers I'm talking about. And if he gets it, gets it going, we've seen Dozier going just tears – and he could end up with a 30-plus home run season real easily. So I, I do like him bouncing back. I have him and Cesar Hernandez back back and back just like you have. Um, I, I think he's he's one if you missed out or if you need a middle infield option. I don't hate it at all. It's like, you know, we mentioned how Altuve was going second last year, and now he's going uh, second round. Brian Dozier was going like early third, late somewhere in the third round last year, and now you're getting him way back in the draft. So I, I don't mind taking the risk on him at all. 
Yeah, you know, I had a couple other names here in the the 10 to 20 or the 11 to 20 range going off the board. Just briefly, Cattell Marte, word is that he's going to be playing in center field now. So you you get that added bonus of shortstop and outfield with Marte. I don't know that there's a ton of upside. I always thought he was going to steal a little bit more and hit for a better average. I was pretty excited about him when he came up with Seattle and, and more or less tore the cover off the ball. But um, he hasn't quite panned out to be what I expected. He did have some some really nice hot stretches last year. Uh, one that, that I remember during the summer, he ended up hitting 14 home runs with six steals. So yeah, I'm not expecting a guy that hits 20 home runs and, and steals more than maybe 10 bases. I think that's kind of his upside. But that's got a place if, if you're talking 15-team league and you know, even in a 12 deeper 12 team or where you got deep benches and stuff, I think there's some value there. And then the other name that uh, I found interesting is Joey Wendell of the Rays. He's going off the board at 206. Hetel was going off the board at 229, by the way. And again, you get that added outfield eligibility. Wendell, he's penciled into bat third for the Rays. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's intriguing. And, and he was very useful last year. He also has that second base and third base eligibility. He's a little bit older guy. He's he's 28. He's going on 29 years old, so not exactly a youngin. But, um, you know, he hit seven home runs and stole 16 bases last year, brought a good average to the table. He actually had 545 plate appearances. I think he's just kind of a forgotten man down in Tampa. Solid all-around hitter, doesn't strike out too much. Also doesn't walk a ton. He's just kind of one of those guys that puts the ball in play. Hit, he hit it relatively hard last year, 35.2% hard hit rate, 88.4 mile per hour average exit velocity. He only barreled up 2.7% of balls, which is just shockingly low. I don't even know how a major league player does that, but he still hit for 300 and, and hit seven home runs. So I, I really don't know to make what to make of that terrible barrel rate. I feel like it's got to improve a little bit. Um, I'm not sure that he is a 300 hitter. Maybe he got a bit lucky last year, but 270 seems like a fair expectation. And I think he can, he can hit the 10 home runs and steal 15 bases. That's pretty solid in a 15 team league, uh, middle infielder type play. And you know, he's going after pick 200. So not a guy I'm excited about again, but, um, you know, this is a group where there's some utility depending on your league. Yeah, definitely. And you, we already mentioned Cesar Hernandez, Jonathan Scope. In Minnesota, could be a bounce back guy, but you know, mm-hmm. one other one, one other one I like a lot here. Um, he got hurt towards the end of last year, but he was crushing the baseballs. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's going uh, right after Joey Wendell. He's going at two nineteen. This is the guy that can get you twenty plus home run potential. The power is legit. He's going to hit about you know two sixty ish. Not steal a ton, but he's actually a pretty decent you know run producer. He's going to get you a lot of good counting stats outside of stolen bases. You get him really really late, so um, I, I like Lourdes as an option as well. Yeah, I do too. All right, outside the top 20, we're talking deep sleepers. We already mentioned we like this Drupal Cabrera. He's going at 297, which is a steal. There, there's some other guys that, that stand out here. What are some of them you're looking at? Uh, you know, the main guy, the main deeper guy that I like is Kike Hernandez. He's going off the board at 311. He can play all over. Again, I'm into these guys with multi-eligibility. He's got second, third, and, or second short and outfield. He cut back on the strikeouts last year, 10.8% walk rate. He hit 256 last year in, in 402 plate appearances. He actually hit 21 home runs, stole three bases. There's not, not a ton of uh, upside in the steals department here. They uh, have made a little bit of room for him with uh, you know the dealings with the Reds in that big deal, sending, sending Kemp away, but then they just went and signed Pollock. There's also talk of them moving Jack Peterson. So we'll see what happens there. But I feel like they're going to find playing time for Kike. I think he gets more than the 402 plate appearances he had last year. Um, and there's also the talks of that, that Real Muto deal uh, with Real Muto going to the Dodgers. So we could see an outfielder leaving town in that. I mean, I don't think it would be Kike, but maybe it opens up a little bit more more playing time for him. So I don't see any reason why this can't this guy can't take a, another step forward and hit 25 home runs and – you know, 260, 265 average seems within the uh, range of outcomes. Yeah, Kike is a very interesting one there. If he can get some regular playing time, could definitely make a stamp on the situation. Um, Jed Lowry is an interesting 
one, just not sure what the playing time either. I'm, but that's tough to, to decipher there. Um, you got DJ LeMahieu in New York. Keep an eye on that one. The last thing I wanted to ask you here, you got two prospects here. You got Nick Senzel, you got Keston Hara. There's a good chance we're seeing both this year. How do you approach those kind of guys later in your draft? Because we know the talents that they are and the situations they'll be in. We just don't know when and how much exposure they'll get this year. Yeah, so, you know, I had highlighted uh, Hira as one of my my deeper guys, and I did not uh, – I kind of skipped over Senzel, but I like him too. Um, depends on the league. It depends on how much bench you've got. You know, if you've got a short bench in a 12-team league, it's hard to stash these type of guys. Um, obviously, you're owning a Vlad, you're owning uh, Eloy. Those are no-brainers. Um, when you get down to a Hira – I mean, I think here uh, there's a decent chance that we see him before the start of May. I think his bat is uh, is ready to go. But then at the same time, his defense is, is really poor. So I don't know if that's going to get any better. <laughs> and I just don't know how long they're going to be able to keep the bat out of the lineup. So I'm expecting him to be up relatively soon. And he brings everything that you want, power, average, speed, Again, like I said, he's got that mature college bat. He was the number nine overall pick in that 2017 draft. Um, he's a guy I'm interested in. And in a 15-teamer, I think he's definitely got to be drafted and, and owned in like our, our T- TGFBI format. Uh, he's a guy I'm excited about in NFBC-style formats, draft and holds. He's going off the board. Oh, I don't have it here. Do you got it there in front of you? Isn't it around pick like 400, late 300s? Yeah, Keston here is going at 376. Yeah, I think that's that's really good value. I mean, he's the kind of guy that can be a difference maker right away. And those are the kind of guys I'm interested in taking flyers on. He's in a great lineup. I mentioned Miller Park already. I'm excited about that. So here is one I'm very excited about. Senzel, a little less certain. I, I mean, I think he's going to be a really good player. I just don't know what the Reds are going to do. I, I guess on the plus side, the Reds are are showing signs of, of trying to be competitive this year, which um, that's uh, a plus for Senzel. I'm just a little bit more confident that, that we see Hira earlier in in the season. Yeah, since that does give you that outfield eligibility too, though. Yeah, I agree. Here, Hira is the one I want to get. I think there's a reason they didn't bring a scope back. There's a reason, you know, Shaw's going to go back to third. That they want. Like, if he has a good spring, I can see him coming up real early. They might play the stupid, you know, game of getting his eligibility for a couple weeks or whatever. At the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him up and he rocks and rolls. Yeah, Denzel, talk, there's still so many pieces in the way. Right. I talked to uh, Ralph Lifshitz of uh, Rasball and Prospects Live about him. We had him on a few weeks ago on our pod, and uh, he said he wouldn't be surprised if he breaks camp. So I kind of would. I don't I don't see any reason why they wouldn't uh, wait the three weeks. You know, I don't see any reason why any team wouldn't wait wait three weeks on, on Vlad and Eloy here, uh, these type of players. But I guess there's always a chance. He did um, speculate that Peter Alonso breaks camp with the Mets just because, uh, you know, first baseman, like what's an extra year of control on a, a first baseman? You can, they're a dime a dozen these days. So, and he's a little bit older. So uh, we'll see, we'll see how it works out. But speaking of the Mets, um, you brought up Lowry, who I am interested in as well. Uh, he had an awesome first half for for the A's. Not a whole lot of market for him. McNeil was the guy I was really excited about, and uh, yeah, I, I'm sad now just because of all these these moves they've made. Trading for Cano, signing Lowry. We got uh, oh, they traded for JD Davis. A lot of competition for McNeil. We got Alonzo. There's just a lot of mouths to feed in the Mets organization. It's I don't know if they're I don't know if they're going to be able to find the playing time for him, but he really hit well there's talks of him moving to the outfield so i've still got hope for mcneil he was another one of my my uh, deeper names he's got a little power he's got some speed but he can really get on base he's got mature approach at the plate so i really think that they're going to find a way to get him in the lineup right now it's not looking great though so it, it may just be a, a really good time to buy yeah it'd be that super utility type then the next thing you know there's like a chris taylor with the dodgers playing four positions mm-hmm. four to five days a week and still getting you you know, 350, 400 at-bats a season playing middle infield for your roster, not the end of the world. You, right. you can work around that because when it comes to McNeil, we think 
those will be quality 400 at bats, not just the wasted 400 bats. So right. That, that's pretty good. Uh, one last guy I'll mention since we've mentioned a few of these is Nico Goodrum of Detroit. He's hitting in the middle of that order. He does have a little bit of pop. A lot of people don't know about him because he's on Detroit. Like he's just that kind of lost guy out there. But so I'm going to keep an eye on first base, second base eligible. Uh, like I said, middle of that order, not a great order, but still. Miggy's there. Castellanos is there. There's a couple little weapons left. And there's no one to stop him from getting on and doing his thing. So I, I think he's another late-round guy you can go take a look at. He's going around pick 305 right now. Yeah, good call on Nico. I, I had him jotted down as well. It's hard to pick from from these guys because there's there's a lot of interesting names, but the upside is is limited with a lot of these guys. Like you're not you're not looking at a lot of superstar potential at at the back end here with second base, other than those uh, prospects that we just talked about. I did have another prospect jotted down, uh, the, the kid out in San Diego, uh, Luis Urias. He he could break camp. That they've got him penciled in on roster resources. They're starting shortstop. What's that? I think roster resource has him leading off for him to start the year right now. Yeah, I think it. I think he may have been second. I can't remember. I, I did look at it earlier today. He, did, didn't he come up towards the end of last year? He did. He had forty eight at bats oh. in, in that cup of coffee last year. So I don't know. I, they may want to hold off a little bit, but. As of now, they don't have a lot of other. I did read some speculation. Geez, it must have been back in November or something that uh, they were interested in bringing Yang Irvis Solarte back because he got, uh, I don't know if he got waived or something by the Blue Jays. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens and, and they send Urias down for a little bit more seasoning. But if that doesn't happen, I mean, he's going pretty late in drafts as well. I, you probably got the numbers there. What is it? Uh, Urias is going. I just saw him right here. Where did I, oh, I scrolled down too far. He's going three sixty one, three sixty two. He's gone as low as four thirty four. Mm. See, I'd rather I'd rather take a shot on Hira. You know, Hira's yeah. got the upside. That's uh, what I'm thinking. Urias, you know, he can provide great average. We know that he's hit for average every stop of the way, but he really doesn't have that same power and speed potential as Hira does, or Senzel for that matter. Um, but I did mention i think that uh, he's only 21 years old so obviously that can come you know the power can come and we've seen prospects have those unexpected power explosions when when they get to the majors so i think he's worth a shot if you need a a middle infield play definitely a name to keep an eye on but yeah i think Hira is is the one that that i'm most interested in late definitely uh last question i have for you so we mentioned a lot of names we kind of we, we know that you want, you know, you got your top 13 and then it drops off for you pretty good. Um, if you, if you had to pick one and you could say Javi Baez, if you want, but just like in a real setup in, in your mind, when you're drafting, who do you think you're going to be leaving drafts with? Hmm. If I have to choose one, I will say Jonathan VR. Okay. I, like I want those steals. I want those steals. And around pick 100 to get 40 plus steals is tremendous. Mm-hmm. So, and it feels like his floor is 30. Like I, I have yeah. a hard time seeing this guy steal less than 30 bases. In, in well, because the, the best the best part about being in Baltimore is they're just going to let him run. Why are they not going to let him run? Right. I know it's, I know it's a new manager, so maybe he's got a different philosophy. But he's also a new manager that might want to keep his job more than one year. So you you let Johnny VR run. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to circle back around to Shed Long because I brought him up and then didn't add any anything to the conversation <laughs> about him. But at double A last year, he hit 12 home runs and stole 19 bases, 261 average. You know, he struck out quite a bit, 23.6% K rate. I don't know. He's going like probably pick 600 or something like that in NFBC draft. So this is a totally forgotten guy. And I, th- I think that the move to Seattle – has really just opened up his future, and uh, just keep him on your radar. There's power and speed there. I like it. You heard it here first from Donkey Teeth. Um, with that being said, my friend, where can they find you? What do you have coming up over at Rasball? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Donkey Teeth eighty seven over at Rasball on the Ditka Sausage and Fantasy Sports Podcast. Um, our podcast, we're, we're going through the, the, uh, positional profiles, but gray and, and Ralph are 
doing position profiles too. So we're taking ours in a little different direction, doing a little bit more in-depth player profiles. We're picking a couple guys out from each position. We just did catchers this past week and profiled Jorge Alfaro. And uh, we got pretty deep in him. I I like Jorge Alfaro for, for this season, as far as you can like a catcher, you know what I mean? Yep, I feel you. He's sneaky, sneaky, sneaky nice. Um, but. what else, you know, I got a, I got a series of articles that I'm starting to, I don't know how many I'm going to get into, but, um, just, uh, ADP comparisons. I compared, uh, Rafael Devers to, um, Miguel Andujar in this past one. And I'm really digging Devers for this season. I think we're getting good value on him around pick 150 or something like that. I think he's, I think he's going to have a breakout season and uh, I'm going to be writing the top 100 starting pitchers for Rasball on a bi-weekly basis. Um, first one's probably going to come out in February, and then I'll do an update in March, and then every other week during the season. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I think that's about it, Bubba. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate everybody. Go check him out and all the great work over there at Rasball. Uh, the podcast is great. The guys are great, so go check them out. And thanks for joining me once again, my friend. I appreciate hey. it. Hey, thanks for having me on, Bubba. How's that golf tournament going? The golf tournament. I actually haven't paid as close attention as I'd like. Tiger uh, just missed a chip in for birdie. The guy was par. Of course, he is furiously pissed. And Adam Scott Adam Scott just drove the green on the short par four. 322-yard par four. God, we need more of those. Yeah. I, I think it's exciting to watch them go. Oh, and the one thing I did see is John Rahm on a par three kind of sliced his uh, his iron shut off the tee, and he threw his club about 30 yards. <laughs> the highlight of the term. Have you played Torrey Pines? I know you're out there, right? Uh, I would love to. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm more towards Monterey than San Diego. We keep talking about doing it because it's really affordable being a public course and all. I just haven't done it yet. I want to very badly. Yeah, I played there maybe three or four years ago. They, they've ac- actually it was affordable. I think I paid maybe a hundred bucks or something like that. And they've got just like a you can't make a tee time, so you just show up and sign up for the the walk in list, and then they'll pair you up. Was my I played with you know just three other random guys and. It was cool. I didn't think it was like a pristine course or anything like that, but uh, really cool views along the ocean. Yeah, it's beautiful. And this was one of the fun parts about watching it right now. Plus, you get a lot of daytime golf, which is uh, always good to watch on TV. So, yeah, it's fun, 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 fun. But well, thanks again, for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. Always. We'll do it again sometime. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 139 with Donkey Teeth from Razball.com, second base fantasy baseball preview. Catch you guys. Take- later.